What up, family? This is a sermon from the downtown congregation of Park Church. May it bless your soul as you dig deeper into God's Word. More resources and info are online at parkchurch.org. Good morning, everyone. I have the privilege of reading the Word this morning. Good morning. Good morning. All right, our word is coming from the book of Matthew this morning, chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. When you have it, say amen, church, okay? The book of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Amen. And it reads, Jesus ministers to great crowds, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogue in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics and he healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. All right. Well, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Good morning. How are you? Come on, come on. Hey, listen, here's the thing. I come from a community called Black Church, okay? And so uh, one thing I've learned and I know about Park is that we are very hospitable to one another. And uh, one thing about church is that it's not just me talking. We talk to each other, okay? So it's okay to talk. I just want you to know that it's okay to show a little love and worship Jesus. But um, no, seriously, those who are here in person and those online, man, thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Miguel, and I'm one of the pastors here, um, and it is a privilege and honor to, to be with you all today. So what I would love to do is for us to uh, go, to the, go, go pray, go to the Father. Um, let's sit at his feet. You pray for us. I pray for us as well, and then we'll hear what he has to say um, through his word today. Amen? Amen. Amen. There we go. Um, so let's just take a moment. Let's just still our hearts um, and just remember that God is present, God is real, that just a week ago we celebrated how he is alive and he's no longer in the tomb and the tomb is empty. And he desires to hear from from us and minister to us. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good, that you are faithful that no matter what we experience, no matter what we go through, you are ever present. And although we may change and we may be inconsistent, you are never changing and you are always consistent. So Father, in this moment, I pray that our hearts will be open, open up our hearts and our minds to hear and see the wonderful things of your word. Pour out your spirit on us right now. 
bring life from dead places, God. Ignite things in us. Rebuke us with your love and your grace, Father. Your word is living and active, and I pray that we never take for granted to know that you are speaking right now because your word is eternal and it's alive. So, Father, let the words of my heart and the meditation, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we all together said, amen. 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 So I just want to talk about this. So today we'll feel a little bit different. And the reason is that I'm going to give you, we're going to have a little roadmap of where we've been and where we're going. And so today we're going to have an overview of Matthew because next week we'll jump into specific uh, a specific chapter of Matthew, and particularly chapter nine. So um, if you're new with us here, just kind of give you where we're going. So we, we uh, have preview service for the month of March to kind of establish our congregation here downtown. And we spent the four weeks talking about who we are as a church. And then after those four weeks, we had Easter. We celebrated that last week. And then today, what we will have is that we will have an overview of Matthew. And the reason being is because from now on, up until the end of May, we will be in the book of Matthew. And then for the summer, we'll jump into the book of Psalms, um, into the Psalms. But um, so today when we kick it off and we see this overview, Pastor Matt will come and we'll be into chapter nine. And the reason that we're doing this is that one of our visions and one of our uh, desires as a church, uh, being one church in two locations, is that we're on the same sermon series. And so again, we had to establish some things early for the month of March and celebrate Easter, which is beautiful. And I'm glad that we did that. But now we're going to kind of jump back into Matthew. And then what will happen next week is that uh, as one church in two locations, we will all be in the same series together. And there will be moments where each congregation will have specific series um, speaking to, uh, uh, that is tailored specifically to its congregation. But by and large, the vision that we're having is that we're all on the same sermon series. So, uh, so today we'll feel a little bit different and that's okay because we'll kind of take a step back and see, hey, what is Matthew about and what is he doing? What is Jesus doing in particularly verse ch- uh, chapter four as he's establishing his earthly ministry. And so one thing I want to encourage you to do, some of you, uh, I saw you already have it and some of you may not, but right when you, uh, right when service is over or when you, before you leave, stop by the information desk and you can grab a Matthew study journal. And those, again, that's where you can take notes. There's studies. Uh, you can go a little bit deeper. It kind of gives overview of each chapter. So if you have not grabbed one of those, um, I would encourage you to grab it on the way out. All right. So let's, what we're going to do is now we're going to talk about the overview. Let's give an overview. Where, what, what is Matthew? What is the gospel of Matthew? What is he getting at? So when you look at the gospel of Matthew, the subject is really simple. It's really simple. It's about a king and his kingdom. It's about his king and his kingdom that's taking place. And so Matthew, he's introducing to the Jews the message of God that was sent, uh, the message of God that God has sent a king, his, the Messiah, who will rule as his region on earth by offering, get this, his kingdom to his people. So it's, under, it's, it's important to know that when Jesus comes on the scene in Matthew, he's not merely coming as a thought-provoking teacher or just as a mere example, a moral exemplar of, oh, let's just, let's just model for how you should live. No, actually, 
Matthew is in, uh, Jesus is coming to establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. That's what he's doing. He comes to call all of us to turn away from our vain attempts to forge our own paths of life. He's, uh, and to turn to him, to follow him in his way of life under his reign and his rule. In fact, Matthew chapter 4 in this same, in chapter 4, verses 17, it, it, it can be summarized in Jesus' teaching as this is, turn to me because the kingdom of heaven is near. And everything Jesus did and said was about communicating to the world the good news of God's kingdom, which we will be in these three verses here. And so what you have is in chapter 1 of Matthew to chapter 3, in this sense, Matthew is, is the culmination of all the Old Testament anticipating Anticipation of the Messiah who was to come. The apostle concern was giving convincing proof that Jesus was the Messianic king. Who the Jews were anticipating, whom the world so desperately, desperately needs. That is why when Jesus began, that, that is why he begins with Jesus' genealogy, establishing in chapter one his lineage and how he's connected to the Davidic king and even to Abraham. And then Matthew's also presenting Jesus' kingdom discourse, his teaching, his miracles as proof of his messianic kingdom. And then what you have in Matthew chapter four through seven. Here, chapter four, he's announcing his kingdom. He, he, God, he, Jesus is saying that, hey, God's sending me to rescue the world, and it's coming through him. The announcement of the kingdom, he's coming to confront evil, right? He's confronting the evil. He's coming to restore God's reign here on earth that was distorted from the beginning of time, and he's creating a new family. Get this, a new family that we get to be invited into and participate in. And then what you have is in chapter 5 through 7, right? Now you have what we all know, the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And what it is, it's exploring what it means to live in his kingdom and follow his ways. That is, is what we're getting at in the uh, uh, Sermon on the Mount. And he's teaching this upside down kingdom reality is. He's, he's saying, hey, you have heard it said, but I have said. And he's flipping the kingdom upside down because there is, there's no privileged members in his kingdom. There is no privileged members based off your ethnicity, based off your political stance, based off of, uh, of your social economic. No, in fact, he, even, he came for the poor and needy. Those who are broken, those who realize that they need a savior and that they're tired of building their own kingdom. So he's teaching this upside down kingdom. He also fulfills the law through his life and is teaching what we have. And in chapter, and what we see here is that even with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is about transforming the people's heart to love God. Get this, to love one another and to love our enemies. And then you have in chapter 8 through 10. All right. All right. We're about to stop. Y'all like, all right, I'm tired of these overviews. Let's get to the text. Here we go. All right. We're about to park it here for a second. But then in chapter 8 through 10, 
What we see here specifically is that Jesus brings his kingdom into into the reality of people's lives day to day. And so you'll see, starting in chapter 8 and even up into 10, you'll see nine examples or nine nine stories about how Jesus is bringing the power of God's kingdom into their lives, into the hurting and brokenness of people's lives. But here's the thing, only those who, only those who can experience, only those who can experience the power of Jesus are those who are willing to follow him and to be his disciples. So, the theme throughout Matthew really is about the gospel of the kingdom. Remember I said, in the simplest view, it's like a king and his kingdom. So this theme is about the gospel of Matthew. Excuse me, the theme is is that uh, the gospel of the kingdom, which is the theme of Matthew. Which really you can translate is the good news, the gospel, the good news, that the reign of God is being established. Here, get this out. It's being established and the reign of God is here to mend the broken things in a way that humans cannot. So when we talk about the gospel, right, we hear it all the time. What's the gospel? We say the good news. Gospel in itself is the good news. And you say, well, the good news about what? And we know, we'll say, hey, the good news about Jesus and he came to save us. And here's this thing. We're all prone we're all prone to kind of minimize the good news only to salvific saving, only to eternal saving. And we do not embrace its full limitations, uh, uh, excuse me, its full impact and its implications here on earth right now. We always think about its eternity and where, what, how I live when I die. But yet we forget that it has implications right now, this very moment. And so... Here's this, the good news, and here's what I want to talk about today. It can be summed up in this, is that the good news is that Jesus is establishing his kingdom. But here's the beautiful part. He invites you and I to participate in it. And not just to be bystanders and just watch as fans in the stands, but actually to get on the field and play. And get this, and he's not being biased or prejudiced towards anybody because someone can speak eloquent or someone can do something better. No, in fact, he invites people, broken people, messed up people to say to be his ambassadors, his representation here on earth until Christ comes back. It's good news that you don't have to live up to a litmus test in order to be in his kingdom. Because left up to our test or my test, I'm just real, people wouldn't make the cut. <laughs> Don't laugh because you, you got a standard too. And you're like, ah, you can't make the cut. I need that. I need that. But God, through Jesus, is establishing his kingdom and reign here and he invites us to participate in it. And that is good news with that. So we're going to see three characteristics, three characteristics of this good news, of the good news of the gospel. And those three characteristics are the good news is about a kingdom. Good news is about a kingdom. The good news of the kingdom brings restoration. And the good news of the kingdom propels a movement. Let me say it again. The good news 
is about a kingdom. The good news of the kingdom brings restoration. And the good news of the kingdom propels a movement. So let's look at the first characteristics. The good news is about a kingdom. Good news is about a kingdom. Well, here's the interesting thing. To have good news, you got to have bad news. And I, I'm almost willing to bet every last one of us in here and, on, and online has had a conversation with someone that either they said or someone said to you, so I have something to tell you. Do you want the good news or the bad news? Which one do you want first? I'm a bad news kind. Give me, give me the bad news. I need a shot on the back end of things. So that's how they, give, me the good, give me the bad news. But here's the thing with that statement when we're saying, do you want the good news or bad news? Is that whatever we're projecting, whatever we're going to say to someone, what we're saying is that the bad news has just as much truth as the good news that is about to be said. Which is why we're saying, hey, we, I got to present to you the bad news and the good news. I got something to tell you. But there's bad and good that comes with it. And so when we talk about this good news that is about a kingdom, understand the bad news is real. It's real. From the very beginning of time and from the time that Adam and Eve decided to disobey God as, as, and, and, and it started with them, but it continues up until us. The bad news that humanity, get this, we push against God's reign. We push against God's reign. We try to take over. And we try to reappropriate his reign for ourselves. And we try and we get to, and we try our best to build our own kingdoms. And in the midst of building our own kingdoms, what happens is that we damage ourselves, one another, and we damage the world. Because we choose to remove ourselves from the authority of God and try to build our own kingdom. And so because of that, because of the bad news, in addition, that's not all the bad news. Also the bad news is that we all fall short. We all come up short. And so you have to understand what the law that was put in place. The law, in a sense, was, we're going to keep it real simple. It was like the measuring stick. It is the standard. We're not the standard. God's word is the standard. And everything that we measure up to God's word, we realize that we fall short of that. Because if we don't keep every single thing that God's word says, we are imperfect there. We have therefore sinned and come up short. So despite of what you think you may be good or despite of your or, or badness, relative to each other, we all are in the same spiritual boat. We all have sinned and the punishment for sin is, is death, which is separation from God. Separation from God. And we talked about it on Good Friday when Jesus cried out, uh, 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 why has he, why, God, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Understand, it is something so horrific that we can't even understand how painful and how torturous that would be to be separated from the creator, the one who created us. So we all fall short. We've been separated from God who is the source of life. We've missed the mark. That's the bad news. But the good news the good news of the same truth that we're talking about is that Jesus came to do what you and I never could do. And the good news is that Jesus was willing to fulfill God's plan. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 21, for our sake, 
God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to be, our, to be sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Then you also have in Ephesians chapter uh, 2, verse tw- uh, I think it's verse 12 and, and 13, where it talks about how that we have no hope without God in this world, and that it is only because of Christ that, uh, that we are even brought near because of his blood, because we were once far off. I'm paraphrasing here, but that's what Ephesians chapter 2, verse ter- uh, 12 and 13 talks about. We were destined, we were enemies of God. We were separated from him. But the good news is that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us and brought us near to Christ and did what we could never do. He took our sin, and in exchange for that, we took his righteousness. That's good news. Because I don't know about you, you can... Have you ever been doing something so right, and you're like doing it, and you feel like you're killing it, but what gets so frustrating is that people want to point out the one wrong that you've done. You're like, come on, I've been... Out of everything I've done, you're going to point out this one little thing. And what that shows is that no matter how hard we try, we always will fall short. That's why I say that. So no matter how good you think you are, no matter how much you think you can propel, and you're like, I've been killing it, I've been in the word, I've been praying, I've been prophesying, I've been seeing people, I've been doing the work, all this jazz. But you know, it don't take nothing long for you to commune with God, and then you step into one next moment, and all of a sudden, you're ready to go off on somebody. You're irritated. You're frustrated. Why? What am I saying that for? Because no matter what, we all fall short. And in exchange for that, God is and Jesus is saying, hey, I'll take your sin. You take my righteousness so that when God looks at you and you stand before him, he will say, not guilty because the blood of Christ is draped over you. So that's good news. But hear me now. Here, here, here's one thing that we get caught up in. We limit. We limit. Sometimes we limit the good news only to forgiveness and eternal life. How do you know that? Have you ever had a conversation, especially when I was growing up, I had it in college a lot, or when you go door to door, I went to a Baptist church growing up, so we went door to door, right? (laughs) Whatever, it works, I guess, you know, it does, but it is, but here's the thing, when you do that, what happens is you ask a question, you, hey, what's your name? You get their name and you go, hey, Sierra, if you was to die today, where would you spend eternity at? Because that, that's what we get at. And then what happens is that they realize, well, I don't know. And then you exchange a conversation and you're like, well, let me tell you about a man who got out on the cross for your sins. And then would you like to accept him? And they're like, yeah. And then all of a sudden they go, okay, great, you're saved. And then we walk off and there's no form of discipleship happening on earth. And they just left to do what? Fend for themselves. So what happens is that with the good news, we minimize it to only eternal salvation. Hear me now, that is part of the good news, but it's more than that. It's more than that. On the flip side, what happens is that we limit the good or we put the good news only. It's about my relationship with God individually. I'm right with God and that's it. I don't know about everything else, but I got my relationship with God and that's what's up. That's the good news. Hear me. True. But it's more than that. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. And what happens is that when we minimize or limit the gospel, which is the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom that he's establishing, and that we get to participate in it, and it ain't like you got a score, a certain score to get in. Jesus took all the scores 
slash scars for us in order to experience this kingdom, and he invites us. But understand, Jesus' teaching is about God's kingdom that is being established on earth as in heaven, and the kingdom and the good news is making all things right as he's establishing his, his reign here on earth. So yes, the good news, the good news about the kingdom is that Jesus is the king and our savior that frees us from the bondage of sin and frees us from the debt of sin that would have took eternity to pay off. Good news about that. And in that, that we do have forgiveness of our sins because of what Jesus has done. And therefore we do have eternal life. And because of that, be, uh, and be, when we have eternal life, we are positioned eternally different with God. So yes, we are reconciled with God, but also we're reconciled to one another because Christ came and he died and he tore down the walls of hostility. But then also the good news is that he provides a way of life that is good and that is better. And get this, that the power of the kingdom is transformative. It's transformative for all aspects of our life. See, not just eternal, not just reconciling with God. Yes, that is true. But also it has implications right now, this very moment as we are breathing. So understand when we talk about a kingdom, to talk about a kingdom, you got to have a king, you got to have a place, you got to have people, and you got to have a way of life. We have a king, Jesus, who is our king, the place, his kingdom, his realm, even though we are here on earth, he's established his reign, his rule, and his kingdom's not up here, but he's establishing on here. We know that one day in Revelations, there'll be a new heaven and new earth. But then his people, those who believe and profess who Jesus Christ is Lord, by faith alone, by grace alone, not of our works, not of ourselves. And then he provides a way of living, a way of life that is far better than any financial planner or any life coach or any whatever you name it that can put in place for us. So it's very important to understand that the good news is about a kingdom that we all desperately need, whether we're aware of it or not and whether we want it or not. But the beautiful thing is that he invites us to participate in his kingdom. So understand here, here's what's important. Look at verse, when you look at verse 23, look at verse 23. It says, and he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, teaching. Jesus is, it, it, this teaching involves a clear articulation of the content of his message, of the good news. So he's teaching in the synagogues and he's proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And proclaiming it including, it includes a calling. It's calling for a response in what he is taught and what he's teaching. And then it says that not only does he proclaim the good news, excuse me, the gospel of the kingdom or the good news of the kingdom, this healing every disease and every affliction among the people. The healing that Jesus consists of is a visible demonstration of the power of this good news. So let me ask you a question. This is good news that has huge implications for our life, that can transform our lives no matter where you are at in life. Because we're going to talk about that next. No matter what you've experienced, things are redeemable through Jesus. 
So do you treat the good news and do you embrace it and do you fully believe it and embrace it for what it means in life or do you treat it as good advice? I might grab onto it every now and then if I need it because there's a difference. This isn't just good advice Jesus is coming with. And we all know what we do with good advice. We got our kind of opinions with that. Nah, you know, sounds cool. Not my, not my taste. Maybe I'll consider that next time. Do you believe and fully embrace the good news or do you treat it as advice? You got to ask yourself. Second characteristic of the kingdom. A second characteristic is the good news of the kingdom brings restoration. Look what he says in this latter part I have of verse 23. He says, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Go into 24. It says, so his fame spread throughout all Syria and they brought him all the sick, afflicted, those afflicted with various disease and pains, those uh, oppressed by demons, those having seizures, paralytics, he healed them. The good news of the kingdom brings restoration. When you see that word healing, is the word therapeuo. So it's not just only limited to physical healing. Understand that. It's talking about a restoring, a restoration of things that are physical, things that are emotional, but also spiritual. And what's interesting when you see, now understand that Jesus is now, in the book of Matthew, he's stepping onto the earthly ministry. He's announcing the kingdom. And so he's establishing things is what we're talking about. And he's, and he's healing every disease and every affliction. Get this, this is a little taste of foresight of what is to come one day. All things will be healed and restored. That revelation has. See, so when you look throughout the narrative of scripture, they all connect together. Nothing just sits over there alone. And so what he's saying is that he's healing every disease, every affliction here. And understand the disease, the physical, when it talks about disease, the physical, the inner brokenness, the moral brokenness, the affliction, the physical, the emotional. Uh, and, and what happens is that Jesus is showing the transformational power of his kingdom. He's reversing the curse. When, when, when sin entered into the war, everything was cursed. Everything was tainted. Sickness and disease come into play. Newsflash, I'm not trying to be funny. COVID is here. A disease is here because sin is present from the beginning of time. Because things are not what they were, but what we see Jesus is reversing the curse. He's saying, hey, get this. Things that are divided guess what? I will, I will reconcile. What he's saying, things that are damaged, destroyed, he will restore. Things that are dead, he will raise to life. Is what he's getting at here. And that has implications for us today because what, the, what this lets us know is that as Jesus is starting his earthly ministry, and here's what's very, let me slow down right there. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in my house. I'm gonna get, in my, get ahead of myself. I'm getting a little excited. But understand this, what we see with this healing that he's doing, that he's bringing about, get this, we have a God that has established a kingdom that he can take anguish and bring it to joy. That he can take darkness to light. That he can take sorrow to gladness. That he can take burdens to free. Worrying, he can provide peace. Oppression, he can provide liberation. 
That's what we're having here. And understand that when you look at verse 23 and 24, there is no illness. There is no disease. There is no brokenness that is too difficult for our God to handle. Because when you look at verse 24, it really unpacks what happens in 23. 24 is showing the breath, uh, uh, the reach of God's healing that is taking place. And here's what's fascinating about this. Regardless, no matter how lesser or trivial the disease are, he cares about. And even the things that seem incurable, my God, he heals. He restores. There is nothing beyond God's reach that he cannot restore that his kingdom does not touch. Hear me now, because let's not move past this here. There's people in this room that have experienced a restoration from God that is only from God. And you know it's only from God because if it had not been for God... See, there, when I grew up in a church, in this old Baptist church, you hear the word, but God. Because we know that if it had not been for him, we would not have experienced the healing and the restoration that we have in our life. Now, hear me now. That doesn't mean that everything goes away. That doesn't mean that when you, when, get this, to go from worrying to peace, what that means is that, peace, that your situation don't have you. You have God instead of the situation. And so even though nothing around you may not change, you are calm and you are at peace because you are with the one that can heal and provide comfort like no one else. No drug can provide comfort, no alcohol, no money, no shopping spree, no matter how much you eat, no matter what it is, we have one that can provide a peace that sustains you even in the midst of the chaos. So let me ask, and some of us got testimonies in here that we need to proclaim of what God has done. And so let me ask you the question, what have you, where have you experienced the restoration of God in your life? Some of us got stories to tell, stories about how we, how relationships have been redeemed, friendships, marriages, stories about people who have navigated deep insecurities, but no longer are insecure. Or at least that it doesn't have them. There's stories about how you, you, you've been restored or, or experienced power from your shame. We all got shame. You have conversations with people. You go, and when you tell the people about Jesus, and then they, they sit here and have a conversation, say, you don't understand what I've done. And I tell people all the time, but God is far more greater than the sin that you've ever done. And he loves you and he invites you and he died for you. Some of us got stories there. We got stories of actual physical healing where you go to the doctor and the doctor sits over here and says, I don't know what happened. But you're like, there is one because he is the great physician. We have stories about how God has redeemed things and oftentimes we minimize them and we don't embrace them and we overlook them because we're looking for those miraculous burning bush moments. The fact that we are saved is a miracle. He restored us. That alone. But let me ask you this question. Where do you need healing? Where do you need restoration in your life? Where do you need it? Where? Get this. 
As a church, where do we need healing? And I submit to you, when you look through this text and we even see as we transition now, as we talk about this movement that's come, nothing is beyond what God can heal. You may feel like that, but it's not. And what's beautiful about Jesus' ministry, hear me now, this is awesome. Jesus not only has the ministry that is the physical, it's not just the physical needs, but he also has the ministry that is speaking to the hearts and the mind. So yes, understand he will heal and restore the physical things, but those are the things that show his transforming power. And at the end of it, and what you'll see even in uh, uh, next week when Pastor Matt preached how what Jesus healing does, he's ultimately getting at the core root of things, which is the brokenness in us that only he can redeem. So the third characteristics of the good news of the kingdom, of the third characteristic is the good news of the kingdom propels a movement. There's a multiplication that happens. Look at verse 24. Verse 24 says, And so his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted, those with various disease, pains, those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics, and he healed them. Verse 25, And a great crowd followed him from Galilee to Decapolis and from, and from Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. It propels a movement because the verse says that, and his fame spread. He didn't have Twitter. He didn't have Facebook. He didn't have TikTok. He didn't have Instagram. His fame spread. How? Why? Because in the text it says, and they brought him the sick. The people that experience the healing power and a teaching power that is like no other, they said, hey, I know some broken folks. They need to meet this man. And so regardless of what you've experienced, let us not see. Here's the problem with Western culture sometimes. We like to have our cake. We don't want to share nothing with nobody. We don't want to tell nobody about the latest stock markets that's going to make us a lot of money. We don't want to tell people the secret sauce on how to get a good business plan. We can give them a little bit of things. We'll tell them a little few things, but we're not going to give them the whole playbook. Why? Because we're selective with who we want to give it to. Let's not act like that. There's certain people that we want to reveal things to, and there's certain people, and I'm, not, and I'm pushing on my buttons too. We want to see certain people live and have a good life, whether that's good friends or not. But oftentimes to the people that God brings into your life for a hot moment, we actually don't think that it's important to tell them about who Jesus is. Even if it's for six months, two months, three months, two years, whatever the case may be. But what we have here is is that they brought him. And I love that because, and what I love about that is they're saying that, look, I'm so messed up. This is so good. Let me go tell somebody else about it. And hear me now, there is a man, he, listen, oh man, I, oh, I pray to God I don't cry right now. As I'm learning to hear about a story, there is a gentleman in our church that is struggling in and out of homelessness here, in and out. But the fact is, get this, that he slowly brings people right where he's at. You know why? Because he said, regardless of what the church is, the message is so good, somebody got to hear it. 
And oftentimes we dictate our church experience or we, 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 we put all of our cards in on table based off of the music that is sung, based off a of certain preaching style. And we make this curate, this own kingdom or this own type of worship we want to have. And we miss the message, the fact that it can be able to heal and restore and change the trajectory of someone's spiritual life and keep them from being in hell and they can be in the presence of God. But because we're so consumed with what we want, we don't go back and tell people about the goodness of God is because sometimes we feel like we're too good we have shame that comes with it but people wasn't shameful they said hey he healed me from this you need to go see this man they didn't allow their shames or their insecurities or their past hinder them for sharing the goodness from who God is this is real life stuff this ain't no Mickey Mouse Clubhouse stuff now seriously this ain't Disneyland get to pick your eyes and all but what happens is that his fame spread. And what happens, they went and told their neighbors. And then their neighbors went over here and told uh, their community. And the village ended up telling the villages. And then people ended up telling, then they ended up traveling out of state, ended up telling people uh, elsewhere. Because they said they came, from, they came from the Jordan. They left where they're at. And so what happens is that it spreads and it spreads. And now people are really are coming. And there's a multiplication of what happens because there is a kingdom that he is establishing that is far better than what we're experiencing here and because of that because of his fame spreading today that is why millions across the world and you and I right now are able to sit in worship of God because someone was willing to tell you or intercede on your behalf about a man that can save and heal every broken part of your life so understand you're not here on your own volition somebody went and told you about a man that is good or and they intercede on here so we got to get off of that thinking that we got here on our own people that's how good this message is establishing a kingdom jesus went viral come on you share how does something go viral you share you repost it you think it's great and then it accumulates and it accumulates and it keeps going and it keeps going and that's how some of us are here today. Some of us are like, hey, I actually came here because my friend brought me. Or hey, you know, and it goes on. He comes to establish a kingdom. That's an upside down kingdom. A kingdom that brings good news. A kingdom that has good news about restoration. And a kingdom that propels a movement. Jesus is the most famous man on the earth. The Bible, one of the most number one selling books of all the earth. And what's interesting here in verse 25, it says, and great crowds followed him. Now, again, that doesn't mean everybody was a disciple. But what happens is that they experienced enough of who Jesus is to say that, man, you know what? I got to keep pursuing this. And maybe you're someone in this room today that's on the fringes. You're like, man, I've got a little taste and I got some skepticism and I'm unsure about some things. Let me tell you, follow him. Because in chapter four, up in verse seven, when he's calling, right before you get this, he calls the disciples, they're out fishing and they leave all their livelihood to follow a man. Now hear me, not one thing happened, at least in the text we know, but there was something about this man that stirred in him that said, I have to follow him enough, even if we don't have all the answers. And so when it says great crowds follow him, let me end with this. What is holding you back from fully following Jesus? What is holding you back from fully following Jesus? The good news is that 
Jesus is establishing a kingdom, God's kingdom, and he is inviting you and I to participate in it. Will you follow Jesus fully? Let's pray. Gracious God, thank you for all that you have done. Thank you for the good news that you bring, that you didn't leave us in bad news, but that you brought good news about a kingdom that is far better, that as you reestablish it, you, we get to experience the restoration, the power of this kingdom, and that the kingdom also propels a movement beyond what we can even imagine, all because of the Holy Spirit that is in us that continues to carry us forward. So Father, help us to be people that fully follow you, that fully embrace the new way, that the, the better way of living here on earth that brings you glory, that changes lives by the people you allow us to touch. Knowing if you never do no more, you're still the most faithful and just God there is or ever will be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.